Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist and now a health coach based in Arkansas who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. I started this podcast in 2020 to help you live a better life. Today, my guest is a brilliant functional medicine nurse practitioner who's also a PhD and she's changing lives every day with her practice, The New Method, like you knew there was a better way. You'll get to meet Dr. Efret Lamandre, known as Dr. E, right after this. It's time to turn your attention to burgers. And in central Arkansas, there is one name. It's David's Burgers, of course, with 10 locations. Go on their social media. You'll see it's not just Lisa Fisher saying it. It's this person who said the service at David's Burgers is amazing every time I go. The workers are always friendly and helpful. I mean, truth there. Always the burgers are perfect, uh, are always fresh and perfectly seasoned. I ordered a chicken sandwich. Yeah, you can get chicken sandwiches at David's Burgers. Now, of course, the conglomerate is including Jess's chicken, but we talk about that separately here on the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast because we are Team Bubbas. That's a Bubbas family who owns the uh, 10 locations and the Jess's chicken, and they've been doing burgers right for a very, very long time, generationally, second generation to do this. But the other thing I want to tell you about David's Burgers, those of you in Central Arkansas people, you can buy steak there. You can buy chuck roast. You can buy ground beef. You can buy ribeye. Why haven't you been? So the great meats you know that are available, you can have in your own home. Check it out. Go to any of the locations today, davidsburgers.com. She won most talkative in high school, and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. What was your call? Because I know, Dr. E, you really like helping. I've seen you help a lot of women. And it's because we're the ones with these silly complex hormones. Have you had to walk that path yet where you woke up one day and said, what the heck is going on with my body? So so for me personally, I haven't had to do it yet. I'm on my way. I just turned 51. Um, I came to it from a space of autoimmunity. Um, but my patients, men and women, uh, deal with all kinds of hormones. But when we say hormones, everyone's assuming sex hormones, right? Testosterone, they progesterone, are. estrogen. Mm-hmm. But there's hormones, thyroid, insulin, you know, that those are all hormones we have to talk about as well. It's top down. So um, we're, we're all suffering with it. But I would like to say that anyone who's in functional medicine has either experienced something themselves or someone yeah. that they loved has experienced something. And we've hit a wall in medicine. And by the way, in functional medicine, um, in IFM at least, they only accept people who already have a degree in conventional medicine. So all of us there have went to some former school, NPPA, MD, DO, and have hit a wall. And that's really important because everyone in the room has hit a wall either for themselves or someone else. And they're like, okay, conventional medicine is great. I just spent X amount of years learning about this but it's not working for me or my loved one. What do I do next? And that's where functional medicine. So my wife had two autoimmune issues, um, PMLE, which is an allergy to the sun. Okay. And that's really big. Yeah. Allergy to the sun and then severe psoriasis. And she's a medicine. I'm a medicine. We met in the ER. So you would think all our friends are doctors. You would think we'd have the solution, but the only solution was heavy duty meds. So I started digging and this was like pre-internet. So, 
someone told us about functional medicine and I was like, this is not going to work, but whatever, I'll just go. What do I have to lose? And this guy had the audacity to suggest nutrition has something to do with health <laughs> <laughs> and change what we ate. And by the way, we were really, we thought we were healthy eaters. Um, change what we ate, put us on some supplements and her symptoms have been gone ever since. And I was like, what is this witchcraft? And I was so, you know, you know, my wife's life came back, our life came back. And so I started taking classes and bringing it into, at that point I had a primary care practice. So I brought it in slowly. And then I saw that wasn't enough. And then ultimately I developed a new method. So the, the answer for anyone in functional medicine is <laughs> what happened to you or someone you love? Well, I, I think it's really anybody in the health space beyond the age of about 32, because 32 is traditional conventional medical school where you are taught a mantra and you, there's a pill for an ill. But anyone beyond that that realizes that that customer service is not working the way that you had intended, then we all have to be advocates for ourselves. I think if there's anything, and I know you show that your social media is great. I'm sharing all that obviously in the show notes, but it's also being an advocate for yourself like you all did of saying she's got psoriasis. She has some funky uh, allergy to the sun, but what you all are giving her isn't working. So you came from it too, as you were saying, people that get into functional medicine, but even people who are interested in their own health have to yes. do it that way. So you're right. The type of patient that comes to functional medicine is a patient who's searching. And yeah. that's really tricky, right? Because when you start to search, you also get mixed messaging from the docs who, you know, you're an annoying patient now. You're yeah. questioning things, you're yeah. questioning authority. And you and now now that's a little bit annoying to the patients, to the doctors around you. And so you have to be really like insisting that this is important to you. So I the name of my book, I'm sorry, I'm just like moving my microphone. The name of my that's book right. is um, It's Not in Your Head. And the reason we say that is because people are constantly told by providers some version of it's in your head, right? Mm -hmm. They'll say, Oh, it's your hormones. Oh, you're stressed. What do you think? Oh, you just had children. Oh, you you have two jobs. Um, oh, you're just tired. Oh, just lose some weight. Oh, you don't exercise enough. Those are all variations of the theme of you're crazy. It's in your head. So it's so my goal is to empower patients, those of you listening. If you're feeling something, it's not in your head. And if I could expound even further, not only is it not in your head, just because the labs don't show it doesn't mean anything. It means you're cooking something. Mm -hmm. So back to your point, when we're sick, sure, we're going to want a pill. You have pneumonia, you want antibiotics, you know, oh, uh, right? You know, certain, yeah. you have cancer, you want treatment. There's, there's no question that conventional medicine is super important. But the problem with conventional medicine is that it starts at the point of already diagnosed. If I'm diagnosed, there's yes. a pill. But if I'm yes. pre-diagnosis, if I'm in this phase of like, you know, Things are just now feeling fine, but you can't find anything. There's no room for you in conventional medicine. Then, then why can't, so the people like me who for four years kept saying, you know, something's not right. I'm tired, constipated, cold, hair falls out. They go, your TSH <laughs> is great. Yeah, TSH is great. It started at one, it started at two, and then it was like 3.9. And I was like, listen to me, I'm barely hanging on. Why weren't they checking my antibodies those years? Because that would have been when 
that that's when I was probably having, you know, that's the inflammation comes uh. from those high antibodies. So wh- why don't they check that? Is it because insurance companies don't pay for a silly test called the anti-TPO and um, thyroid antibodies? What What is that? Or what's um, that? The thinking? answer is, it's, there's two part, parts of the answer. It's a great question. And I always tell my patients, don't be frustrated with your docs. They're not malicious. They're not evil. They learned an algorithm. And the algorithm says, so it's the first part of the question is algorithm. The algorithm is called evidence-based practice, EBP. Everyone practice evidence-based practice. If you don't practice evidence-based practice, you get sued. Evidence-based practice says you do a TSH first. The TSH is normal. No further testing is required. Evidence-based practice says if the TSH is elevated or lower, then you hunt for the reason why. And that's when the antibodies come in. So number one is the algorithm. Number two is the reason for the algorithm is because there's no intervention on an antibody. So if someone came to you five years before your your hypothyroid and said, you have antibodies, what is that provider going to do for you? Nothing. Because in conventional medicine, there is no cure for a pre-thyroid issue. In functional medicine, oh my God, there's so much we could do and hopefully reverse it so you'll never express it. But in conventional medicine, what am I going to do? So you're going to end up doing all these antibody testing, calling people, say, hi, Mrs. Smith, by the way, your antibodies are up. What can I do? But absolutely nothing. Um, just keep coming back. Eventually you'll have hypothyroid, don't know when. And at that point, I'll give you a pill. So it's in, mm. it's crazy. So you don't test for it. Boy, that, mm, that really <laughs> short changes women because that is the time and mine was late thirties. And now I'm reading where somebody posted, it could have been you, that that time in our lives, they're now calling it thyropause because it's when the thyroid starts to sputter out late thirties. And then we know progesterone starts to dip. We start looking perimenopause. And it was probably for me and a lot of my peers, because it felt like all my friends caught it at the same time. And it's not Mm. contagious, but we all of a sudden all woke up with Hashimoto's or some type of thyroid dysfunction. So there's, there's gotta be a connection and there's, there's gotta be uh, medical schools. We need to go picket medical schools right now and say, please start listening to these women, start palpating their thyroids. You know, I wanted to drive around to the Walmart with a bullhorn and say, attention, all constipated, dry haired women, I can help you. Are you tired, pooped out at parties? Because we all felt the same and they did. All of my peers at the same time, that was 20 something years ago, we all had the same diagnosis of you have chronic fatigue or depression. And I didn't sure, have sure. one. So chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia and or fi- depression or IBS. Okay. Don't get so my an original endocrinologist who is old timey, like he he's 80 something and he's still, I still consult with him. He was practicing at a time where there was no Synthroid. So you only could give armor. Armor was really, you know, that's that's a hundred year old medicine or more than that. It's more than that. So he said until this is how he told it. He goes before 1973, you would take the little thingy to see what their reflexes were doing and you would palpate their thyroid. And if a patient said, well, I'm cold and constipated and my libido's low, he said, we just gave them some thyroid medicine. And if they didn't feel better, we would say, okay, it wasn't their thyroid. He goes, then magically in 1973, Abbott Laboratories invented this test called the thyroid simulating hormone test. And it said then, not until your TSH was over 10, mm-hmm. 10. Well, I would be dead if mine were over 10. He said, and magically a term called fibromyalgia got invented. 
that's when it was coined between 73 and 80 because he said it was this group of women who fell through the cracks where all of a sudden they didn't fit that profile because their TSH was below 10. And well, they must have another condition. Well, let's call it fibromyalgia. Have you ever heard that story? I haven't heard that story. And, and, and perhaps that's, I don't know if it's causation, meaning because of thyroid, therefore fibromyalgia, but there's no question that the diagnosis of fibromyalgia is basically a, it's a basket to put everyone in that you cannot sure. diagnose. And I got a lot of slack for this on TikTok. I had a, a TikTok video that went to like a million. Half of the people were like, oh my God, I love the fact that you said, by the way, I didn't say it's not a real diagnosis. What I said is not an acceptable diagnosis. Yeah, so it's a catch-all, right? Yeah. So half yeah. of the people were like, oh my God, yes, thank you so much for saying. And the other half is like, how dare you say this? You don't know how much pain we're in. Of course I know how much pain you're in. That is exactly why I'm saying it because if you are comforted by the diagnosis of fibromyalgia, you have not, there is more work, not for you, mm-hmm. for the providers in your world to do for you. It's not acceptable because when you're diagnosed that, when you're labeled with that, first of all, good luck to you going to any other medical provider because when we hear fibromyalgia, the conversation is over, okay, in regular medicine. In regular oh, medicine, you go to terrible. a new primary care and you say, by the way, I have fibromyalgia, that primary care, I'm telling you right now, is no longer listening to you. You are basically fibromyalgia equals crazy in the conventional that's, medicine world. It'll, it'll be like this, you know, fibromyalgia. It's like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you've accepted this diagnosis. You're saying it with pride. I'm telling you, it's not opening doors for you unless you're going into the holistic world. And the medication that they're giving you is not curative, right? The medication that is given, I read the guidelines. I, This is what I do. <laughs> uh, the, the guidelines are managing the symptoms. So they'll give you some um, nerve pain. They'll give you an antidepressant that's also used for pain. So they're basically treating the symptom. So of course there's pain. And of course, these people are trying to help you, but there's no root cause conversation. And what is the root cause? Each person's different, but fibromyalgia to me means you are on your way to the real disease. What you have right now oh, it's is a gateway. Symptom. Yes. Yes. So yes. Yes. With yes, my yes. patients, what I do with my patients, many of my patients who come to me have normal labs. They've been to, before they've come to me, they've right. been to 500 doctors, right? Everything's normal or maybe a cholesterol, like something irrelevant is kind of elevated, seemingly irrelevant, right? But they're in pain. So we use a software that quantifies their symptoms. Okay. Zero means I have no symptoms. And then the further away from zero, the worse we feel. Why do we do that? We do that because those symptoms are the things we're going to track. I can't track your labs. Your labs are fine. But your symptoms, if you're at a at 100, 120, so far away from zero, you feel like poop. What do you think that means? That means in five years, 10 years, you will get a diagnosis. So we could hang out, call you wow. fibromyalgia, wait for the diagnosis, mm-hmm. and like, oh, you have rheumatoid arthritis. Oh, you have lupus. Why? Because the markers mm-hmm. take time to catch up. Or I could say to you, hey, fibromyalgia, not fibromyalgia, you're in pain. You have the symptoms of 100. Let's intervene now. Use your symptoms. So every month we do a check-in. Is 100 becoming 90? Is it 80? Is it 70? Use your symptoms as a marker that our interventions are working to prevent that disease from ever expressing. So in my opinion, fibromyalgia is the state of pre-disease. You don't have enough markers to convince the rheumatologist that you have a true autoimmune yet, yet, but you will if you do nothing. And so that's why a lot of people will say, I used to have fibromyalgia. Now Mm -hmm. they found out I have lupus. 
right? Because mm-hmm. 10 years ago, you didn't have the Marcus lupus, but you had the aches and pains. It's the same thing happened to you, Lisa. I mm-hmm. used to just have aches and pains and constipation. Mm-hmm. Now Got they it. find out I have thyroid, mm-hmm. but you were pre-thyroid before. We could have And telling before. people, right. Yeah. We women are telling people. We're, and really what happens to women in their 30s or 20s and 30s, 40s or childbearing years, the relationship you have is often with your whoever delivers your babies if you are having children. So it was following up with my obstetrician, who was then my gynecologist because I was not having any more after I had three. But he would just kind of say, Oh, wait, of course, a gynecologist says, we'll just do an ablation because you one of your symptoms is late sure. 30s is heavy periods. Why root also cause? Just thyroid. remove it. Just rem- that's, right. Just remove that's, it? <laughs> that's right. Just remove it. And I say all the time, keep your parts. People, keep your parts. Keep your parts. That, keep your parts. That's like a bumper sticker I'm going to have around town. Keep your parts. You. You'll know it's my car. Keep your parts. And so I said, I wanted to keep my parts. And he was like, oh, I could go in there. We could knock this out. So... Because that's how it seems so easy for them. But you're right. No one would have gone to the root cause. But that is the only communication you often have. So I guess my question is, are we seeing obstetrics look at root cause or is it still for more? Well, we are not. I mean, what's your, con- we are not seeing conventional what's your specialty? medicine look on okay. root cause. Okay. So All right. I have a practice called EG Healthcare, which is conventional medicine, primary care. I'm still there once a week. And then I have MPs oh. that work there. That's EG Healthcare. So if I am always up to date with the latest conventional medicine, because I still practice it, the rest of my week, I'm at the new method, which is my functional medicine practice. So I have my feet firmly planted in both worlds. You swing both ways. I swing both ways. (laughs) Only on this topic. (laughs) Got it. Tracking with you. And, And I think it's important because you know, there are times you need medication, like you need medication. I would never tell you to come off medication. People who high blood pressure, I will put them on medication as we work for the lifestyle modification. So I think it's really important to have access to both, not one, just one or just the other. But conventional medicine is 100% not dealing with root cause. Again, not because anyone's malicious. First of all, it's not taught. There's no conversation about food Food's not connected mm-hmm. to autoimmune. Food's not connected to skin. Mm-hmm. Food's not connected to nothing at all. Mm-hmm. But number two, the way we are uh, paid for through insurance, the coding involved, it's all disease-oriented. What is the ICD-10 code? The code is disease. What is the CPT right. code? So the coding is disease process. There is You don't get re- – how much time does it take for me to sit with my patient in functional medicine and really dig down? An hour? Two hours? Primary care, the insurance does not pay for that. Insurance does not pay for you to sit Isn't down and go shame? over not only not only nutrition. Yeah, you can hand out a piece of paper, but how about finding out, but what's in your way? What's your day like? Why is it hard for you to get food like this? What's yeah. happening? Oh, okay. Let's talk. Oh, you eat at Wendy's? Okay. Let me give you options at Wendy's, right? Like who has time like that in conventional mm-hmm. medicine to not only figure yeah. out the root cause, but then customize it to what's happening in your life so you can actually succeed at it. It's not happening. It's not happening. It's never going to happen. It's not possible. So now if someone says they hang out a functional medicine shingle, they have to have some certification training, education to get to that point. They just can't say it because they're really good at Google, right? The, people can say whatever they want to. Um, <laughs> That's true. So, so that is a process that is a problem that some people will, you know, point to in that there was no formalized education. So I went and I got my P 
PhD in integrative medicine. There is no PhD in functional medicine. So I did an integrative oh. medicine. And well, integrative medicine was our first term. It was our first we were, term. Yeah. And then I remember that now that you say that. Yeah. And then functional medicine, there are courses you could say there's no like, there's no academic pathway. But okay. I have to say the Institute of Functional Medicine, which mm -hmm. is where I studied, is very, very high level. And if you go through the mm -hmm. certification process, although it's not an academic degree, if you're looking for someone, that is that is top, top level. Now, that being said, there's also other amazing, like, I just want to put it out there, anyone who goes to school, I take classes with Karazian Institute, phenomenal. So there are ways where you can really get solid education. But the problem is if you're looking for that degree on the wall that says doctor of functional medicine, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist. So with, um, di so you've gotten past the diagnosis part for them. No, I guess you're a part of the diagnosis part, but that's I'm, not so as important to you, but the why is important. Yeah. So what I do in the first consult with my patients and I tell my patients all the time, Hey, I'm going to, we're going to spend an hour going through this consult. You may or may not choose to work with me after that. Cause then I talk to them about working with me and take them on for a year. It doesn't matter to me if you want to do that. This one hour that we sit together, uh, my goal is to give you a new perspective on what's happening for you. And it is magical for me as much as it is for them. I, I, something happens during these consults. I cannot explain it. It's like from the divine and I listen, okay? I listen and the patient comes in and they rush through their story because they're so uh -huh. used to have to rush. And sure. I'm like, okay, I got it. Now let's start. What happened when you were five years old? <laughs> and they're like, look at me. And I'm like, no, it's all, it's the same body. You've had this body since you were born. What happened zero to 10? What happened 10 to 20? Slow down. Tell me the story. We have time suddenly so much opens up, right? Because they come in like ever since the past two years, I haven't been, it didn't start two years ago, right? It started maybe when you were five, maybe 10, maybe 15. Things have happened before two years ago. Everyone was like two years ago, I got, no. Two years ago, maybe start feeling it and decided to go somewhere about it. So then I, they kind of like spill everything out and then I look and then my job is to connect the dots and be like, you see what happened here? I think this happened here and this is why we have this and let's look at it this way. And we start unraveling it and I want them to walk out with a new perspective of what's happening to them and always with a goal to empower and for them to see an exit plan, whether or not they choose to go down the path with me, but to, to see to, you know, that they're not, they don't have to be victims to this. That's the goal. That's how I work with my patients. So how long did it take your wife before you all figured out the why? Okay, so with my so my wife had PMLE for decades. First, they thought it was lupus, and then it took a really long time to diagnose. Right. Again, one of the reasons things get a long time to diagnose: one, there's markers don't show up, and two, autoimmune has different variations. Like her variation happened to uh, affect her face, whereas most people with PMLE doesn't affect the face. So, oh, okay, that's so why she, they thought lupus. That's why they thought lupus. Because, okay, and it was a it. delayed reaction. So she'd be in the sun and it would happen two, three days later. So it took a while to connect it to the sun exposure. Got so it. by the way, at that point, she was a division one softball coach. She was in the sun a lot. All the time. Yeah. So eventually she had to make a career change secondary to her disease. And this is important because a lot of your listeners, a lot of my patients accommodate for the first diagnosis, right? It's fine. I'll get through this. We'll accommodate. Mm -hmm. 
We'll get the we'll get a house with no, no steps. We won't do this. Right. We won't do that. You start accommodating. But the second diagnosis is what usually prompts people to be like, all right, that's enough. So her second time, her psoriasis was so severe that like her feet would bleed if she walked. It was bad. Wow. So it took us decades and and you have to hit a wall where you're like, this guy, I can't do this anymore. Um, once we went to the functional medicine guy, he found it within a week. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. And, and that's when you said, I like, I like, I like the business this. you're dealing. Yeah. I like this. I can see that. Yeah. And so I, again, I just did like a class, the two here, I dabbled in it and I tried to like bring it into the practice, but you can't bring mm-hmm. it. It's not, it's really hard to bring it into the practice, the regular practice. Um, the time, but also not every patient wants that. No, they don't want to know. They don't want to know. A lot of people want the pill for the ill and they want to go home and and watch whatever they're watching. And that's fine. You know, I say to them, that's fine too, because at least we're managing your issue. It's better than not managing it. Um, I get upset for the patients that don't choose either one. Like if you want to be medicated, awesome. Let's medicate you. Let's get your numbers down, whatever your numbers are. If you're ready for lifestyle modification, let's do that here. But to just opt out, not change your life, not take the meds and just be like, oh, I don't like medicine. Yeah, you can't not like medicine and still eat fast food. You can't have it both ways. You got to choose a path. You got to choose a path. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's. but within that, I want to paint a picture because a lot of patients, when I say to them, it's your nutrition, they almost get offended because they're like, my nutrition is clean. What are you talking about? I don't, I don't eat bad. <laughs> My wife, when this happened, was a, I'm painting a picture not to body shame anyone, but just to paint a picture. She was a size zero, athletic, <laughs> vegan. Oh there oh, was nothing yeah. we thought to remove yeah. from her diet at the time. That's what we yeah. thought, right? Yeah. The picture of health. Mm-hmm. And it turns out back then to be a vegan, everything was corn and soy, right? Mm-hmm. There was no like impossible burgers. There was just less options back then. So it turns out corn and soy were her number one enemies. But as soon as we removed it, things got better. But we thought we were healthy. So a lot of people, I'm sure you're doing a great job. So when I say it's your nutrition, I don't mean I think you're eating McDonald's every day. Something on your plate right now is causing you not to feel well, and it could be a damn avocado. So, Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Um, I have my certification from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York. And one of the things they say, Dr. Mark Hyman and Andrew Weil, you know, we had these great teachers that would come and lecture us, Max Lugavere. But my favorite thing was love the foods that love you back. Because as an intermittent fasting coach, the first thing people always want to ask me is, okay, now tell me, what do I eat? I go, well, well, wait, I don't know what you can eat. I, yeah, I, I have, yeah, I have no idea. They're like, well, th- you told me you were going to health coach me. And I go, well, that that's down the road, sister. We have to, let's get a discipline of, you know, fasting and feasting and getting into autophagy, these magical things. And then it takes a long time before you peel back those layers. Because even in my early days of intermittent fasting, I didn't think the, f- I just knew I didn't want to raise my insulin, mm. but I didn't know that there were things like gluten and gliadin and corn and soy and just about everything, you know, artificial sweeteners and all these things that those were the things that, you know, dug the knife. It, it wasn't, you know, the, the insulin release is obviously scientific. We know that. Sure. It's important, you know, where your food is sourced from. I know with certainty that Ralston Family Farms 
And what they do on their farms, it's regenerative farming, ding, ding, ding. It's a non-GMO product, ding, ding, ding. Also, the fact that 10 generations of farming right here in Arkansas, using the water from the Arkansas River. Okay, all the things that are important to us as consumers, that should be important to you too. But the other thing is, as a bonus, they have a great website. That's where I get so many of my recipes for inspiration or not just inspiration. I steal them from them. And the one that I'm going to embark on soon is the spring rice bowl that has the peanut sauce on it. I love the peanut sauce with the peanut butter and the rice wine vinegar. And instead of soy sauce, I use coconut aminos because of what soy does to your thyroid. And that's a whole nother conversation. But my point is you can find so many things on the very website that can sell you the rice that has all those attributes. Uh, the farmers that uh, are, are doing this, it's the Ralston family, and they are here to serve you and sell you the best products. They do that. You can find it in maybe Kroger or Walmart or wherever you shop. And if you can't, you talk to your manager about it, or you can order it online. It's RalstonFamilyFarms.com. Hi, friends. I want to take a moment just to introduce you to something that I offer my listeners, my friends, my followers, and that is an online course where you can start fasting today. Yes, I do love me some intermittent fasting. I am a certified health coach and I began fasting in 2017. It totally changed my life. It changed the way not only that I look at food and nourishment nutrition, but I take less thyroid medicine. Some autoimmune diseases have been reversed. It's really the magic of fasting. But sometimes people just need a coach or a partner. But, you know, it may be cost prohibitive to hire someone like me by the hour. Well, do my online course. My online course, lisafishersaid.com slash academy. Right now for an introductory price is $49.97. You can start fasting today. The first video in that series is free. So go ahead and check that out. But I want you to get healthy and you can do it affordably. And then I'll save you money in the long run because you buy less food. <laughs> it's a great thing. I love fasting. I bet you will too. LisaFisherSaid.com slash academy. But there are so many things. So would, what do you think then are the biggest offenders? Do you always go corn, soy, wheat? So I start my patients on a restricted diet initially. Uh, there's two variations. There's one restricted diet and there's an even more restricted diet. I'll explain in a minute. The reason I do that is because I, I, we have to start somewhere. So we yeah. start here and we see what's going on. If, and then again, we're, we're tracking improvement. So if everything goes away, awesome. We could start reintroduction, slow reintroduction, methodical yeah. introduction. If it doesn't go away or somewhat went away, there's still something on your plate that we need to remove. And that's when we start drilling down. Um, now, if we've done all that and we really are really sure, like it's not nutritional, yeah, there's other tests we can go to. That I do other testing later on. I don't run to mold. I don't run to lime. I don't run to hormones. I okay. do those later after we cleared the trees, focus on your gut, make sure that you are in a place where should we find out you have lime or mold, you need to be able to handle that treatment. I can't do that Got it. if your belly is a mess, right? So I start mm -hmm. somewhere. So basically my patients are grain-free, not just gluten-free, grain-free initially. Okay. Um, Dairy-free for sure. Mm. Um, of course, that's saying sugar-free. Even, even we limit fruit as well. We just bring down berries. 
and we limit um, vegetables, no starchy vegetables initially. So basically you're having an animal protein, unless you're ethically against it, you're having an animal protein, you're having a some vegetable, you're having some berries, and that's about it for now in the beginning. Um, some of my patients, oh, and you're also having nuts and eggs for those patients. Some of my patients, I have to go harder and remove the because nuts, the eggs, and the nightshades. Yeah. If you're an yeah. autoimmune mess, I'm yeah, probably going to put you sure. on what's called AIP. I did not invent these yeah. things. They exist. And then we slowly add. Um, and it's 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 phenomenal. It's phenomenal what happens to people's health. People who have lifelong issues, lifelong having gone to the bathroom, lifelong skin issues, lifelong fertility issues, fibroids, Un- endometriosis, PCOS, you know, women who think postmenopausally everything is their hormones and their hot flashes go away before we even address their hormones. Everything is from nutrition. It's it's mind-boggling. Tinnitus. I mean, or tinnitus, yeah. however you want to pronounce Tin- it. People got really? mad at me. Yes. I actually did my thesis on that. Yes. You did your thesis on that? Oh, my gosh. No, I'll well, tell you why. Will I offend you if I, if I call you a nerd? Well, you know that I'm saying that in the most yes, complimentary yes. way. Okay. Yes, absolutely. You, to think that you did your thesis on that. Well, so you're saying that the tinnitus is an autoimmune link? So I'll tell you how this happened. Okay. So we have the software. I did not create this software. It's great software. Track symptoms, right? And one of the questions on the symptoms is, do you have an ear ringing? And I was like, why the heck is this question even here? But it's here. I didn't create the software. We'll use it. And I ignored it. It wasn't anything I'm focusing on. Your brain fog and your belly and your skin and all these biggies. And every time my patients would come in and they get better who had ear ringing, they'd be like, by the way, the ear ringing is gone. And I'm like, what the heck is this sorcery? One patient, another patient. And I was like, I now have a year's worth of retroactive data on how anti-inflammatory diet reduces tinnitus. And so when he did the research, there are there is some tinnitus that is certainly traumatic, like loud noises, and there is some da- like structural damage. But for many people, it's inflammation. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's crazy. Inflammation. And so... And now this becomes what I call their tell. Like, oh man, the ringing's back. What did you eat? Oh, I had an eggplant. It's probably not for you. It becomes their sign. So yes, goes away. It's It's been um, amazing. So what's your sign? What do you know that you've had that? So mine's hip bursitis. Mm. It is magically gone once I removed wheat and nightshades and corn. There's something in there. That if I have a, and it may be all three that offend me, but magically that has gone away. And if I want to mitigate my symptoms, I need to, I have to stay away from mainly wheat and tomatoes. Hip bursitis is gone. What about for you? What's, what's for your me, thing that goes away? I mean, besides GI, cause my GI will, but that's obvious, right? Yeah. If you have some GI. Yeah. For me, it would be like a post, like an afternoon fatigue. I used to think that being uh, tired in the afternoon was appropriate, mm-hmm. age appropriate. I'm a busy person. Mm-hmm. I've come to appreciate that certain foods will do that. Um, if I, even if it's a clean food, if I have like a, like sushi with like rice, cause rice is okay. Sometimes the- I need a nap. So I've learned that if I want to make it through the day, I cannot have certain things. I have this fatigue, it, which I would, which you would think is just part of your age is not. So is that the postprandial glucose insulin connection or is it something separate you know, is it just I'm, inflammation i'm not sure because i have i 
they have such a tight control. Like I've been fasting forever. I eat clean. It's not like I'm talking to you about like an ice cream. Certainly after an ice cream, I could see that. So I'm not right. sure what it caused. To me, I think it's inflammation. I just feel like it, it's just, it doesn't feel good in any type of way. I just certainly feel old automatically with certain meals. Yeah. Um, so I think for many people, yes, if you're having like a, like a high carb and then you're having a snack, then you're having your Starbucks coffee with like caramel on it, right? That's standard American diet. Yeah, you're going to crash. Stop snacking it. That's what I say. Stop snacking. Stop, Stop your just Starbucks milkshake that you're having. But that's yeah. another story. Yeah. Have another meal if you're hungry. Don't snack. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Have another meal with protein, animal fat, uh, protein and fat, and then we'll see what 100% happens 100%. Have a meal with protein and fat. Yeah. That, I think, has changed my life more than anything is understanding the role of cholecystine kinin, peptide YY, that they're not fired until you have protein and fat. So I had a switch to, for the best satiety for my body, because we're bioindividuality. I know we're all different. Mine is um, a meat-based diet. And then I get full so easily. I, I don't think about snacking. You know, I don't want any of those things, but that's what works for me. I know that's not everybody. What, what introduced you or what wooed you into fasting? Like, was it a personal thing or was it with your patients? Um, so I try everything first myself for a while. <laughs> I love guinea pigs. I'm a guinea pig. I'll do it. Any of it. I, get I it. try everything. I practice and I try to practice what I preach, you know, cause I sit every week. I, you know, my patients come on every week. We have like a group whoever wants to come on and I live the life, you know? So yeah. I, what got, I think I heard about it and I was like, let me try this. And when I tried it, it was horrifically difficult to me. And when I saw how difficult it was for me, I was like, something's wrong here. Because oh. I, again, at this point, when I started this, I thought I was healthy, thin. I worked out every morning. As soon as I opened my eyes, I had oatmeal and peanut butter because oh. I was so healthy. <gasps> and <gasps> if I, <laughs> I know. Now we know. Now we know. Yeah. And the thought of working out or starting my day on an empty stomach, I... Without food. Without food. It's you, You'd have thought you're Guantanamo Bay, that they yes. treat prisoners better than you were treating yourself. Oh my God. And now my, it's so funny <laughs> that you say that because my wife never ate breakfast. So we, every time we'd vacation, she's just hanging out. I was like, listen And guess to me, who the size wife. zero was. <laughs> exactly. no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm like, if we don't have breakfast right now, like, I don't like every time we would be away, it would be like a thing. I'm like, I would br like bring bananas in the room with me. So I was like, because when I, we had to eat all the time. Because you have to eat all the time because I didn't sure. know this, but your system's broken. Yeah. If you had a car that you had to fill up every block, you'd get rid of that car. Right. right. So I didn't That's know a it was great broken. Analogy. I thought yeah. I was super healthy. Look at me, so hungry. So intermittent fasting took me to get to 16 hours, took me a good three months. Like I had to move the needle half hour at a time. That's Are how hard it was. Are you serious? Yes. Oh and then I couldn't gosh. work out. I got to the gym. I was like, I can't work out. I'm going to faint. So you were insulin resistant. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I was insulin resistant. You had I don't, to have been, right? I mean, I had to have been insulin resistant. I mean, it was definitely not correct. But I was not the picture. Again, thin, athletic, muscular, right. working out. Right, I get it. Nothing that you would ever think is problematic with nutrition. So, by the way, I'm mentioning thin, but I need my, your audience to know that there was a time in my life that I was obese. And, and so I did that struggle as well. Well, you so buried when I say the this, lead. Like, well, you no, were I just obese want to let people know that 
You're the size of this pin I'm using right now. <laughs> You're slim. I just like to say that because I'm saying thin, thin, thin. I don't want to trigger people like, oh, great. So easy for you. No, I know how hard it is. So I'd okay. like to just, uh, I want to acknowledge it. people in your audience who are struggling. I know what it's like. Yes. Um. So, so anyway, so this intermittent fasting took forever for me to do. And that's when I knew it was a problem. Like this should not be so difficult for me. Something's wrong yeah. here. I got there. Now, of course, I, I can't even think of eating breakfast and I do a full workout and run, swim, everything and do great. But for those of you who don't know, I'm sure they do if they listen to you, intermittent fasting is if you have any type of brain fog, inflammation, if you're not fasting, like it's not going to go away for you. You can eat gluten-free ice all day long. You have to intermittent fast. There, there is magic that happens when you allow your body to stop processing and focusing on eating and it can start focusing on healing, recovering, rejuvenation. All of that only happens when you're fasting. So if you're not on it yet, get on it. Well, if you're not on it yet, I don't know why they really have stuck around with me all these years because <laughs> I have bitched and bitched and moaned. Uh, when did you start fasting? What year was that? Oh, goodness, it's a good question. I would say about, oh, how long have I been doing this? Maybe seven years ago. Okay. Yeah. And so 2016, 17, I can't do math. Yeah, it sounds that right. It was pre, definitely pre-COVID. Um, I got my whole team to do it in the office. Everyone had no problem. And there was me like struggling, <laughs> salivating. Really? That's yeah. funny. It's crazy. <clears throat> because, you know, Fung wrote, <clears throat> well, for, the first book was Dr. Michael. Well, actually, the, the OG book was Bert Herring, The Five-Hour Diet. And appetite correction. He was like in 2004, 2005. He was early voice on this, right? He's an MD. And then Michael Mosley did the 5-2 diet on the BBC. He started, so if you had the BBC, this was before you had a bazillion channels. Right, you, right. You know, you had some highbrow that had the BBC. You would have heard somebody say, well, there's this crazy thing. That's when he was talking 5-2, meaning five days you eat normally and two days you eat, I, I can't remember what the restricted calorie count was. And then Fung, Dr. Fung started incorporating it. And you probably know all that, you know, as a nephrologist with these type two diabetics with end stage renal disease, he said he knew they weren't lying to them. And I know you feel the same way because you have to have a certain amount of empathy to, to care about your patients enough to dig deep. And that's what he did. And that's what you do every day. But he T typically doesn't have that type of practice, but he said he realized they couldn't be lying when they came in once a week or once or whatever with their food diary, with their calorie count, and their weight was higher than it was yeah. the month before. Yeah. He, he said there's something wrong. And so he is of Chinese descent. So he thought about ancient nutrition and, um, you know, all civilizations fasted, you know, mm -hmm. all the religions fast. All so he just thought there's got to be something to it. And so his books, I think, were maybe in 13 or 14. And then Jen Stevens wrote uh, Delay, Don't Deny in 2016. And then, then there were more lay people that were exploring it. So then it became a part of our nomenclature. you know. And now we have people like you, because that's one of the things you talk about in your social media is you talk about fasting all the time. I do. I talk it, about fasting all the time. It's... It's part of everything. It's part of uh, dementia protocol. If you're going to talk Absolutely. to anyone with dementia uh, uh, who's treating dementia on the functional, then if you're not intermittent fasting, you're not you're not getting there. And cancer, you know, Doctor Fung wrote the cancer code to to address it. And I'm sure people think he's a charlatan, but he's saying, I mean, can't we all agree? Politically, we can't, but can't we all agree that too much insulin is killing us? 
Oh my God. You know, I just don't know. I get that sometimes also on TikTok. Oh, you know, charlatan's a nice word. Sometimes I get other words and I'm like, yeah, I don't understand you. I'm producing all this content um, to, to help people. I really, truly listen. There are people who are going to work with me. That's great. But most people who are producing my content are never, ever going to work with me. I'm producing this content because I really feel like I have a mission <laughs> to give you this thing. If it's not for you, it's not for you. That's great. But ultimately, if you look at my TikToks, other than saying, if you want to work with me, this is my link. I don't sell you anything. I don't do. And I'm just like, I'm almost like just for those of you who are struggling, I just wanted to let you know that there's something else out there um, because I didn't know and my wife didn't know. And our lives would be completely different if we didn't have this. And I'm watching people's lives transform constantly. This is why I feel like it's from God because it's just impacting people in a way because it's just not available. I mean, thank goodness for social media because people get access to things. I have patients. I have one patient who lives in a trailer park in Texas that I don't even know how she found hey, me. Hey, now, that's not too far from us. <laughs> no, but literally in a right. trailer. No, I love I'm, it. I'm saying this I is someone who's far away from the city, from access. She travels far to go to her cancer doctor and her insulin doctor. Wow. So it wasn't it wasn't meant in derogatory. It was meant geographic. Like she's True. far right. from everything, right? And she found me thanks to this. And she ends up working with me. Well, guess what? Not only has she reversed her diabetes, she has not needed cancer treatment. Now it's been delayed for like the past eight months awesome. where she was getting it almost monthly. That's like, Oh, your markers are good. Your markers are good. Your markers are good. Awesome. Um, so access to someone who otherwise would never have heard of this. Now yeah. I, and this, I love social media because of that, because what is the likelihood that that woman would have met me from New York? Never. Never. Right, never. That's right. Never. So, You're so, exactly right. It is as worlds collide because of the message. Um, and either people, you know, it, it's like, um, it, was it, what about Bob when they said the world's divided into two types of people, those who love Neil Diamond and those who hate him, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there are people that are going to love the message, yes. the straightforward yes. way that you and I might talk to somebody and then there are people who are going to hate it, but the, the haters still stick around because they're curious as to what have you done? Why are you so vibrant? And they want to know what your success is. I, I mean, yeah, Here, I here's an. Here's well, fasting definitely because of autophagy and the longevity benefits. And I mean, you've got the skin of a person in her thirties. I mean, that <laughs> we can, I would say your Jewish DNA does have something to do with that too, because you, you're beautiful <laughs> olive skin, but we do know that fasting does what it does to cell regeneration and things like that. But here's the one pushback I get once in a while. And I may be myself tiptoeing on it because of um, I did the Dutch test recently and I mm. saw that, which is magical. It was 19 pages of data. My cortisol, it, it didn't even do like little, it didn't even have a little spike to which the anti-fasters say, see what it does. It puts you in adrenal fatigue. W what's your conversation with that? With two, does fasting then you think, tax our adrenals in such a way that Look, it makes the people who read the Dutch test to you nervous. Okay. So I don't know if you did the Dutch test before you started fasting. So this is, this is an, it's an, it's an academic conversation. In other words, it's, it's, it's not even relevant. And I'll, 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 I'll tell you why, because, okay. Is, is it in theory, a stress on your system, especially initially yes. to fast? Right. I guess you could argue, especially initially, it's stressful. And if you're in a yeah. state of chronic stress, it can deplete you. Okay. But 
Once you become metabolically flexible, this is no longer stressful for you. God designed you or universe, whatever you believe in, to be metabolically flexible. You was, he never intended for you to have access to food all the time. He, you have this ability, right, to go into gluconeogenesis at will once you know what mm-hmm. you're doing. So it's no longer stressful. Mm-hmm. But number two, so, 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 so the answer to the first part is I don't think it's stressful anymore except for initially. And number two, okay, what's happening if you are inflamed before, that chronic inflammation is is depleting you. Now you've removed the chronic inflammation. You've reversed your insulin resistance. You know, you're doing mitochondrial repair. How could that possibly be stressing your system out? Okay, you've remo- we've removed 16 hours worth of food and digestion. So is it initially stressful? Yes. But the benefits for your inflammation, which is the known adrenal fatiguer, far outweigh in my opinion that and so got it now the reason ultimately it's also academic is because but how do you feel with your adrenals being flat if you're energized and you feel great then who the hell cares the reason i do that test is yeah. when my patient's really exhausted we've done every the things like wow why are you so tired okay adrenals okay great in addition to the intermittent fasting and the clean diet let's give you adrenal supplement support to help boost that up but if you're feeling great, who cares? <laughs> I've had, I've never say this word, but I've had a little fatigue. And so, but I don't want to admit it because I don't want my body to hear that because I tell my body that yeah, yeah, we're yeah. getting up and we're doing stuff every day, yeah. you know. It, so then what just you a lot need to do. is adrenal support, right? Um, okay. Adaptogens, um, okay, glandulars. Yes, um, I would them. not tell you to stop intermittent fasting. What, add another meal and your adrenal will get better? No. That's what somebody on uh, social media is saying because I took her leptin resistance course so I could learn more about leptin. She didn't teach me anything that Dr. Fung didn't teach me. But anyway, I remember in her course, she said, now, um, I used. she said she used to be an intermittent faster, but now she recommends people eating within one hour of sunrise to not tax their adrenals. And so that's the first time that started getting in my head going, wait, is there any truth to that? Should I add, should people who feel like that, you know, maybe, cause I want to head off a crisis because of the other autoimmune conditions I have. I, I don't ever want to have, I would, you know, I'd like a new car. I don't want a new a autoimmune condition. Okay. Yes, yes. You know, if we're, if you're giving out things, so to avoid that, I was trying to protect my adrenals. And when she said that, it made me question, well, do I need to wake up in the morning? But I'm not hungry in the morning because okay, so, I, I haven't mean, eaten in seven years. So first of all, of course, it's, it's like you said, it's cu- it's customizable. It's, it should be what's yeah. going on. But if you're going to go with that theory that you should eat as soon as the sun, then then your last meal should be when it gets dark, in which case you should be done by four o'clock in New York and you're right back to intermittent fasting. So... So I'm going to listen. I'm sure. I'm sure she has her science, and we have our science. Yeah, but ultimately, right, right. what I would do in your case, since you're such a good intermittent faster, it's not stressing anymore. You have so many benefits. I would say, what else can I do to support my adrenals? Are you outside? Are you getting sun? Are you getting enough sleep? Is your sleep solid? Mm-hmm. You know, are are right. you moving? Are you getting enough downtime? Are you getting enough relationship time? Are you getting enough me yeah. time? Because there's other things besides nutrition for all of us. That has to do with the rest of your health and your and and your fatigue. So, and you don't have the data. Do you do you have the data of what your cortisol was like five years ago? Maybe it was like this no. too. Mm-mm. Yeah, so you're who, right. Who, that's right. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. 
um, and um, sunlight, I have realized, uh, is really, <laughs> I mean, I overstate it. It's the football field of our life that if there's anything I could, t- I have not realized how important sunlight was because of my vitiligo. I was told to stay out of the sun. I don't know. I guess because of what it looks like, who cares? Yeah. Cause you and, tan and so it looks worse. Yes, that's right. Well, so what? I mean, who cares? You, because I care more about my mental health than long-term physical health. So I do have the sun as much as I can. And I use my vitamin D app because in Arkansas, we do now, we're recording this in February. I have to look and think. Um, we do now have vitamin D again. It started back up at the end of January. Do you even have it in New York yet during the day? Because, you know, there's a part of the I don't know. I've never, winter I've never even where, heard of this app. It's called D-Minder. And it tells you, it knows where you are on Staten Island at your house when you get vitamin D because though we have the sun's rays because we're on an axis right, and right. the rotation and everything, there are several months out of the year, nada. There is no vitamin D. There's sunlight, but there's no vitamin D absorption. So now that I'm getting it again, um, I go outside for every day for 30 minutes because that's how valuable it is for my mental health. But sunlight is not just about vitamin D, right? So... Yes. Going that's out right. to sunlight, right. making sure that's that you right. see the sun right in the D, morning, regardless, right. seeing it, that's right. doing a lot for your cortisol, doing a lot for your right. brain. So get that's right. sunlight, just get it. And at night as it sets, that's a Huberman thing. He does, um, Dr. Huberman has done so much, uh, you know, a PhD neuro ophthalmology, some at the Stanford. And his big thing is that morning sunlight. And I think is so neat how he explains that the morning rays, that your body knows that the morning rays are different from the evening rays. And that the morning one, he said, gives you morning cortisol and it sets your melatonin for at night. Correct. And then the afternoon rays, the UV, A or B are different wavelengths. And then it sets it again. So that's why, that's why I think sunlight, and that includes my sunlight is the football field of our life is yes, the morning. Yes, 100%. And then the evening. Well, and then we talked about the food consumption. So Dr. Fung and like Dr. Bickman, who wrote Why We Get Sick, which is the greatest book I've ever read. He, they both say now that they're seeing that, and this is hard because the further north you are, the sun sets early, but because of circadian rhythms that intermittent fasters should recognize the daylight hours and have their eating done before the sun sets. But that'd be impossible for you where you live. Listen, how far you want to go in the rabbit hole really depends on the person. I tell my patients this all the time. We could optimize, okay. optimize, optimize, optimize. Um, but then there's a the reality of the world. I don't get out of my office till 8 p.m. So, oh. um, so it's yep. it's not happening. And then I'm having dinner with my yep. wife. So it's not happening. And that and it's really important to try to make this realistic for my patients. Yes. So you have yes. to do the best you can within the reality of your world. Sure, if we could live in the forest and eat berries and rise with the sun and go to sleep right. with the sun, of course that's right. ideal. Align everything with the sun. It's not realistic uh, for most people. So yes, they're right. Everyone is right. But you have to find the space where it's realistic for the patient. And that's really important because anything that we do that's better than we did yesterday is good. (laughs) It's good. So it doesn't have to be perfect because it can drive people crazy. 
Well, perfect is a moving target. I mean, it's so subjective. I mean, we don't know. But the thing that you mentioned that I think is so valuable that we also learned at IIN was relationships are so a part of your physical health and mental health. The fact that you do sit down and have dinner together with a person you love at 8 p.m. has more value than the fact that you shoved in a protein shake before 4 p.m. 1,000%. I should come practice with you. I mean, really, I'm really good. You just tell me a few things. I can remember it. I'm ready. Well, everybody, follower, It's Not In Your Head is her book. Um, Do all the things she says and (laughs) she'll make you laugh too. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com. Um...